we look at the character of David, many times we see all the successes, but not the failures or not the hard times or not the trials or not the circumstances. We have a tendency to see David when he's out in the field tending the sheep and being uh, loyal to his father and along comes Samuel and anoints him as king. What a glorious and a great moment for David. What a glorious and great and powerful moment whenever he uh, kills Goliath and he's there and there's victory and Israel has the victory and everybody loves David at that time. How many knows there's times when people will love you and times when they won't? But David uh, has learned something about the Lord in the quiet times. I believe the quiet times of uh, serving and and tending the sheep. He's learned how to hear from God. He's learned how to worship God, uh, whether he's on the mountaintop or in the valley. And we see that, a, a long story short, Saul, who was king at that time, became jealous of David. Uh, he didn't like what God was doing through him. And we know that Saul had kind of walked away from God. Therefore, he wasn't serving God, and he wasn't on the right page with God. And I believe that God would have allowed Saul to have a, a great reign uh, as king, but not whenever he is walking away from God. And the people began to look at David, and Saul became jealous, and Saul became uh, a person who was not content for, with, with David and what was going on with him, and David had to run for his life. The Bible tells us that David was playing a harp because he was a skilled musician. I'm a little jealous of David. I can play things, the radio, TV, not really even real good at, you know, games or anything like that. But here is David, and he's been lifted up by God and been anointed. And you would think that he would just be waiting in the wings, just waiting on uh, God to finish what he was doing with Saul but he had to run for his life. And when he ran, he ran to the wilderness. Can I tell you, I've been to Israel, and there's not a whole lot of places that are not wilderness. I mean, when you walk around in Israel, you see a lot of sand. And then you come around the bend, and you see a lot more sand. And then you go a little further, and there might be a tree or two, but a lot of sand. It is a wilderness, a desert place. And David is there. He's alone. He's concerned about what is happening. He's uh, maybe a little fearful what will happen with him. There's uh, this strange time in his life when he's been anointed to be king, but yet he's in the wilderness hiding out for his life. And it is at this time that David pens these words that we just read. He's here in a hot and a dry place, solitude, desolation, afflicted, in need, wandering, and in an unsettled state. That's what wilderness means. You see, even though we may not have a physical wilderness in Kentucky because we have some rolling, pretty green hills, lush uh, trees, all kinds of things, but you can be in a wilderness state of mind 
it may look like everything's going well. It may look like because the, the checkbook isn't empty or because your health is well, it may look like you're not in the wilderness, but there are times when there's things going on up here uh, in our mind uh, that the enemy is coming against us and attacking us, and nobody else might not know that you're in the wilderness. But we find ourselves at times there. See, I believe that the Lord kind of switched some things up because I believe in this crowd there's some people that might be experiencing wilderness might have just came out of the wilderness. You might be heading into the wilderness or you could be in the middle of the wilderness. But there are just times whenever uh, it seems that things aren't going right. I know that all of you, everything goes perfect in your life. I understand that your checkbook's always full. I understand that your kids uh, are perfect. I understand that everything is going great. But can I preach to myself this morning? Uh, because sometimes I go through the wilderness and I don't understand what's going on. And I'm not sure how God's moving in my life. It seems like he might be absent from my life. But I find myself there and I must learn how to worship him even in the wilderness. It's a wilderness experience for David. And he needs to learn how to worship in the hard times. In the hard times, in the difficulty, in the times when it's not going exactly right, David is able to still worship God. Have you ever experienced the wilderness? In this chapter, there's some things I believe that will help us to experience the wilderness and not come out of it and not and not uh, be distracted by everything around us, but learn to come out of the wilderness through worship. Because worship is powerful. You, you see, worship will uh, help you get through some hard and difficult times. Uh, when you begin to worship God and you begin to lift him up and you begin to declare, declare that he's good and that he's worthy and he's powerful and he's mighty uh, and then all of a sudden it seems that oh there might be a little bit of light at the end of this tunnel that I might be able to make it because God's with me and he's for me and he's a big God and he's powerful see worship is is powerful for us and we need to learn how to worship God on the mountaintop and in the valley and in the middle between the two here's God here's God with David and David cries out from the wilderness oh God you are my God you see David knew he needed help David knew he was in a desperate situation uh, and can I tell you that uh, many times in our modern day experience that we have it a little too easy that we can call on the doctor and we can call on the counselor and we can call on, you know, the lawyer and we can call on the bank to give us a loan or we can call on our friends and neighbors who might be a little bit uh, more uh, better off than we are. But do we really understand that we can call upon God and he has the answer and he has the problem at hand. He's able to do what we need him to be able to do. Look at this. Oh, God, you are my God. What a powerful statement. 
You, you see, God is my God, is what David says. He's my God. I don't have to look everywhere else. I'm not dependent upon just me to have the answer. Oh, I'd be in a sad shape if it was just up to me. But he's my God. He's my God. I have a deep and a personal relationship with him. I tell people that you really know what love is when you've been through some things with somebody. And I've been through some things with the Lord. How many can say amen? And he's always been faithful, and he's always been true, and he's always made a way where there seemed to be no way because he's my God. Oh, today can I ask you, is he your God? Are you trusting in everything else, or are you trusting in your God? David said he's my God. He's my God. He's my God. He's, he's there for me. Psalm 18, verse 2 through 3. Look at this. You think David didn't understand that he was serving a personal God? The Lord is my rock. He is my fortress. I don't have to be afraid. He's here with me. He's shielding me. He's my rock. I have my feet upon him. I can stand upon a true foundation. He's my fortress and my deliverer. He's going to make a way for me when there seems to be no way. He is my God. He is my strength when I don't have the strength, David is saying. He's my shield. He keeps me from the attacks of the enemy. He is the horn of my salvation. Oh, he's my God. He's helping me. He's worthy. He's my God. Do we really know God that way? Do we get in the middle of a circumstance and feel like God is left? God hasn't left you. He's your God. David said, I, I, and I will call upon the Lord who's worthy to be praised. In the midst of everything that is going on, David is saying he's worthy. Whether the checkbook is full, he's worthy. Whether I'm in perfect health or not, he's worthy. Whether my kids are acting like the devil or not, come on, help me, I know that happens, uh, or not, he is worthy to be praised. Not my daughter, she's perfect. But anyway, uh, you know, uh, sometimes, I had to say that because she said back, back there going, he's worthy to be praised. Whether everything's going good or whether I'm at the bottom of the hill in the valley sinking low, he's worthy to be praised. And he will save me from my enemies. Look at your neighbor and say, he's my God. Now neighbor, look back and say, he's my God too. Right? David knew he needed help. So he turns to God. This God that he has a covenant relationship with. Uh, this God who has his best interest in his mind. Uh, this God who loves you and is going to take care of you. You can depend upon God. He is your God, David says to us. Personal God. But not just David's God. Not just Abraham's God. Not just Moses, God, or any other of those major characters of the Bible, but he is my God. 
and your God, and he is worthy to be praised. Now look at this. He's in the wilderness, and he don't throw himself a pity party. We can take a lesson from that, because that's where we go. I don't know why everybody's against me. Everybody hates me. I might as well eat worms and just go ahead and die. We, we do that. We immediately go from, I'm living the best life to I'm lower than dirt and I might as well just give up on life. Instead, David said, early will I seek the Lord. Early will I seek Him. Not at midnight, after my whole day is gone and I'm exhausted and I don't have enough mind left to be able to really seek God. But he said, uh, how many knows that happens? Maybe a little worse when you get older. Uh, when you're younger, guys, when you're younger, midnight, 12, 1 o'clock in the morning, your mind's still going good, but when you get my age, no, no, no. About 9.30, everything starts shutting down. So, so seek the Lord early. Seek Him early. You see, that word is not just about time, but it's about eagerness. God, i got to have you when I start my day. And if you're truthful to yourself, you know that the way that you get up and what you begin to do sets the tone for the day. So if you're like me and you just, you've got your notes, you've got your to-do list, because I don't get much done if I don't have the to-do list. You need to have read your Bible at the top. You need to have worship the Lord at the top. Spend some time in quiet uh, uh, application, quiet uh, seeking after the Lord because uh, that's the way you learn how to worship God before it all gets crazy because sometimes it's just a crazy day. Right? Look at your neighbor and say, worship early. Seek the Lord early. Seek Him. Uh, that word seek means to crave or to require uh, what is necessary. My soul thirsts for you in a dry and thirsty land. The Message Bible says, uh, God, you're my God, but and I can't get enough of you. Wow. That ought to be our attitude, amen? But instead, instead we fill up on everything else. All right? Everything else becomes important. Everything else takes priority. Everything else but God. And we get so full of the world and its activities. I'm preaching to myself this morning. And we get uh, so caught up in everything that's going around and, and going on and we try to have our hand in this and our hand in that and we're trying to do all of these things and we don't, we're not seeking after God, we're seeking after everything that we can possibly fill up on. But God said, seek me early in the morning. Have breakfast with the Lord. Uh, spend some time with Him. Seek the Lord. The good news is the Bible says... When you seek him, he will be found. You see, can I tell you, none of us want to be in the wilderness, but many times God allows us to experience the wilderness, but 
in order to cause us to be desperate for him. It's true. Let's just be honest. When everything's going good, we have a tendency to forget about God. Oh, we may thank him. We may say, whoo, I'm, I'm blessed. But our devotions lack. Sometimes our time in the Bible, sometimes getting into his presence, it lacks. We have a need within us to be desperate for God. I tell you, you were designed and created to be in God's presence. And there's something about, we don't like the wilderness, but it drives us to him. It causes us to be desperate. Was it not the desperation of the woman with the issue of blood that caused her to get to Jesus and to have her need met and uh, to experience the fullness of what God wanted her to? In my mind, I, I imagine her pressing in. The crowd is all around Jesus. Who wouldn't want to be around Jesus, right? He's uh, meeting needs. He's healing buddies. He's doing. He's teaching the wonderful word of God. And she begins to nudge her way in. Maybe get a little sharp elbow in there. You know what I'm saying? And begin to kind of press in and push in so that she might, in her desperation, get a hold of the hem of the garment of Jesus Christ and be made whole. Sometimes we need to be a little bit more desperate. Was it not the desperation of blind Bartimaeus who despite the crowd telling him to be quiet? He was in the wilderness of blindness. He said, I got to get out of here. How do you get out? You get to Jesus. You press in. You push in. I said, I had you repeat the words that you use your mouth, you use your lips. Sometimes you got to cry out to God. And sometimes you just have to cry out, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. I need your help. I'm not going to make it without you, God. I've got to have you in my life. I've got to have you close by. We've got to press in as the deer pants for the water. So my soul longeth after you. Are we desperate? See, worship is not just a response to how good God has been to you. It's not just that kind of response, but it is a pursuit of God. How can I pursue God? How? It takes time. It takes effort. It takes being in His Word. It takes being in His presence. But the good news is, He wants you to be there in His presence. He desires for you to be there with him. Are we pursuing God? Are we so thirsty and hungry and desperate uh, that it doesn't matter? Can I tell you, there's times that I get so hungry and so thirsty in the natural that I don't really care if you got something to eat. I've got to get to something or I'm going to get hangry and you don't want to be around me when I'm hangry. My daughter's shaking her head. Yep, you're right, Daddy. 
You see, are we desperate pursuing God? Are we pursuing Him? This morning, is God your priority? Is He your priority? Do you really long to be in His presence and His glory? I want you to understand that praise is not sedentary. It's active. This attitude right here, I said this morning, it's kind of cold in here this morning. If you're cold, it's okay. Sit like this. It's good. But if you're saying, bless me if you can, God, it's not the right attitude, right? What does pursuit of God look like? Hands raised, mouth open. Praise is coming from your lips. Oh, I bless you, God. I praise you. I honor you. I roll out the red carpet of worship for you, God. I want to be in your presence, and I need to be in your presence. I'm desirous to be with you, God. What does it look like? Are we pursuing God? Are we pursuing him? At the end of this, it says, verse 7, when I remember you, verse 6, when I remember you on my bed, I meditate on you. Are you thinking about the Lord? Because you have been my help. Therefore, in the shadow of your wings, I will rejoice. I'm in the shadow of God's wings. I'm protected in the shadow of his wings. But it's more than just protection. It's also proximity. I'm close to the Lord. God wants to press in around you and protect you and be close to you uh, so that you are protected from your enemy. Are you under the shadow of his wings? And I could have stood outside of it and I wouldn't have been protected and I wouldn't have been in close proximity. By the way, if you're taking notes, that's two words you need to put down, protection and proximity. When you're in the wilderness, that's what you need. Are you pressing in to him? Are you close? See, I believe the Lord had me preach this this morning because, as I said at the beginning, I believe there's some folks that are not on the mountaintop. I believe there's some folks that need to hear from God and need to learn how to worship the Lord in the wilderness because he hasn't left you. If you're alone, it's because you left him. Press into him. It's easier to say when I'm not in the valley, when I'm not in the wilderness, it's easy for me to say, but can I tell you, this pastor's been through some stuff too. Not everything's gone easy, but I've never been alone because he's with me. And I can learn how to press in to him. You're here this morning and you're in that situation God is here for you and so is his church because we care what you're going through because when the body hurts in one place the rest of it ought to know and ought to come to rescue and to help if you're here this morning and you have never put your trust in Jesus Christ 
My friend, you're in the wilderness of sin. And you have a choice today to remain outside of that or come into God's presence. Can I, can I tell you, your soul will not do well in the wilderness. Your soul, if you go and stay very long in Israel and you stay in the desert, you're going to die. The same thing is true in the spirit. As a matter of fact, that's what salvation is about. Your spirit coming back to life. 